I've titled my message tonight, I, um, The Trouble with the Law. <laughs> and uh, I thought I might share a little bit about my journey with understanding law and grace. And when uh, I was first saved, I did have great difficulty knowing how, what the law was about. And Romans, Romans was a great challenge to me. I remember listening to Derek Prince when I was... Um, first saved and he would talk a lot about it. So I thought I might delve into Romans 7 and uh, have a little talk and discussion about it. And even if you understand the law, there is an awful lot of confusion um, today about what grace is. And a lot of people say that because you're under grace, we're not under law. So I thought we might explore that a little bit and help... um, perhaps bring some clarity. I hope I bring clarity and not confusion. (laughs) And... uh, and give you something that even if it's not a problem for you, that maybe you can share it with somebody else and help them to understand it. So let's start with Romans chapter 7 and uh, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord, how to walk in the freedom that you've given us. Lord, we understand that we're not under law, we're under grace. But Father, I thank you that you also give us the power to fulfill those things that you've called us to do. Lord, touch us and help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just read um, Romans 7. I could start, let's start at first one, even though I'm going to skip that bit. Don't you understand? I'm reading in the New Living Bible too. Dear Jewish brothers in Christ, that when a person dies, the, no, the law no longer holds its power over him. Let me illustrate. When a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, she is no longer bound to him. The laws of marriage no longer apply to her. Then she can marry someone else if she wants to. That would be wrong while he was alive, but it's perfectly right after he dies. Your husband, your master, used to be the Jewish law. But you died, as it were, with Christ on the cross. And since you are dead, you are no longer married to the law. And it has no longer has control over you. Then you came back to life again when Christ died and you are a new person and now you are married, so to speak, to the one who rose from the dead so that you can produce good fruit, that is, good deeds for God. When your old nature was still active, sinful desires were at work within you, making you want to do whatever God said not to and producing sinful deeds and rotting fruit of death. But now... You need no longer worry about the Jewish laws and customs because you died while in their captivity. And now you can really serve God, not in the old way, mechanically obeying a set of rules, but in a new way with all of your heart and mind. You know, the first thing that we need to understand, you know, we're told that when we get saved, you know, we understand we're not under law, we're under grace. And by grace you are saved And that was a great thing, but I could always remember thinking, well, what's the purpose of the law? You know, it didn't seem to make sense to me that that God would give the law and, you know, then it didn't seem to, to serve a purpose. And people think that, you know, they say God has done away with the Old Testament and the law. Some people want to chuck away half the Bible. But, you know, God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And the law is good. It tells us there that the law is good. And it took me a long time to understand that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, really. 
In the end, if we hadn't had the law, I would have no knowledge of sin. If I have no knowledge of sin, then I would not be able to come to God. And the, the wonderful thing really about the law is that God gives us, uh, uh, it's a tool that he uses so that we become aware of our own need of him. Because if we have no rules, then we don't realise how we cannot really obey them. You know how you, you when you have a child, and Bianca and Michael are just learning this with their child, when they get a little bit older and you say, no, you can't do that, what does the... What does the child immediately want to do? Do it. Wants to do the very thing you just said, no. And they and because why is that? Because there's a sin nature in us that is fighting against the 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 law of God in our heart. And so, you know, we have this struggle. And I think when I don't know whether what people think, but I'm sure that we don't hear a lot of preaching that that when you get saved, you think, I repent, I understand, I, I'm a sinner, I need God. We all need him. But you suddenly realise, I can't do what God tells me to do. You know, and it says further down, he says, Paul goes, I like this, he says, but how, he says, you see, the law was good and right and good, in verse 13, but how can that be? Didn't the law cause my doom? How then can it be good? No, it was sin, devilish stuff that it is, that used what was good to bring about my condemnation. Isn't that always the way? It, it, this law, which is good, actually brings about a sense of condemnation. And you go, oh, I can't do it. That's what brought me to Christ. After a while, you suddenly go, I can't. And we strive all our lives to, to be good or to, to obey a law. And um, Colette talked about it so brilliantly out of Romans 1 this morning. She goes, you know, being she talked about the difference from being conformed to being transformed. And if you haven't heard it and weren't here this morning, please get her podcast from the 8am service. It was really outstanding. But she explained that to conform to something means that I do it because that's what I have to do. You know, you know how to behave and when you're at school, you know how to behave at school, right? And you conform. But you can outwardly conform to something but inwardly be rebelling. And, you see, and that was part of my issue well, in my teenage years. I could outwardly conform but inside was my own private rebellion. <laughs> and we can be in church and be the same way. We can be coming to church, serving God even in the, in the church, but inwardly rebelling and no one would know. They could be smiling and just saying, how are you? And you used to act like you're loving God. You see, you could, that's one thing to conform and as Colette showed us this morning, young people can conform at school and get to university and fall away from God because to outwardly conform to something is something that you can do by an effort for a certain length of time, but then eventually it catches up with you and then you go, just go and, and don't conform. So what's going to happen is there's got to come a transformation, which means that something has to change on the inside. And I think people in church, we can do the same thing. We could outwardly conform. When I went to boarding school, I conformed. I went to sun church on Sunday. I, I've always loved God. 
God talked to me when I was young and when I was 10, I think I've told you the story, I, I wanted to marry a minister one day and I don't know why. I thought his name would be Tony actually because that was my father's name but I got that bit wrong. But I did marry a minister. But So my heart was always for God but my ability to, to live for God wasn't there. And so when I got around wrong friends, I conformed. And that often happens to us when, we, when the transformation isn't on the inside, then we just conform and outwardly go through the motions. And that's really what religion ends up being. It's just a conforming and doing what we, we do it, but we don't really feel it, right? So that, you know... Um, he says, when you're under the law, once you get saved and come to Jesus, you don't obey a set of rules, but he comes on the inside of you, and you all know this, and he changes your heart and mind so that you change, you want to do the things that you couldn't. So the law, which is good, brings us to a knowledge of our need of him, but it says in Romans 8 that we are debtors to the Spirit. So without the power of the Holy Ghost we actually can't fulfill the things that Christ wants us to fulfill. So the law is good and we, we know what to do. Say, how many of you say, I know what the right thing is to do, but how many of us struggle to do it? You know you shouldn't kick the dog when you come home and you know that you shouldn't yell at your kids. You know you, you shouldn't do this. You know you shouldn't fight. But we lack the strength, the inner strength to do those things and, and, and that's the, the thing of the law. It says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so I think what happens is we say, oh, I've got this, you know, when you get saved, you, you condemn. I felt condemned because I knew how to live, but I couldn't. And when I came to Christ, I found this incredible freedom. Now, freedom was fantastic. All of a sudden, I'd got saved and all of a sudden, the transformation starts to take place in my heart and I go, I'm going to live. I can live this. Not because I had a set of rules anymore, but because Christ had come on the inside of me. I was a debtor to the Spirit and all of a sudden, I just wanted to do it differently. And, and, and if, if doing it is hard work for you, then you need a transformation. You, you can't conform. Conforming just doesn't cut it. It's hard work. And so people sing about it, you know, about freedom. And it says, so we get this, the condemnation has gone. But then we need to understand that there's a difference between, as we walk in Christ, condemn, condemnation and conviction. Because the thing about the law, we don't have to obey the law because now Christ is on the inside. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He lives inside of us. So how now do we fulfill the law? By obeying the Spirit. So the second thing is, is obedience is the key, is understanding that I don't do it because I have to do it. I do it because I want to do it, because my heart is for Him. And it's, and it's learning to live by the power of the Spirit. I was in America, and uh, I saw this fantastic sign um, in Pasadena which said, um, the greatest freedom comes 
with the greatest measure of discipline. And I think sometimes, it just spoke to me, I just thought, everybody cries and wants freedom, and I think probably that's one of the reasons I came to Christ in the charismatic move, because it was all about being free in Jesus, and that appealed to me. I like the idea of freedom, but because I'd been such a rebel and disobedient all my life, (laughs) I was the worst kid, I was really naughty, and you know, and most of us are pretty naughty, and didn't want to obey, but I realized that the fruit of my disobedience was costing me dearly. And it wasn't producing the kind of life that I really wanted to enjoy. And so it wasn't until I came to Christ that I realized that there's this other nature that fights in me against the law of Christ. So instead of just being free, freedom, I discovered, came a different way. Freedom comes because he gives you the ability to live differently. He gives you a strength to obey. So it's not, freedom is not the absence of doing what someone else tells me. It's the ability that Christ gives me to do it with grace. So when somebody says to you something and it riles you up on the inside, the freedom that that you really want I think that we all want to really enjoy is a freedom to do what is right instead of because if we don't do what is right what happens it produces the fruit of death it breaks down relationships how many of us when you're in a fight um, you know with a loved one the thing you want to do is just say something nice and be kind and be sweet but you don't (laughs) and you just feel like hitting them punching them out or something And you do the wrong thing. And afterwards, you feel so condemned and guilty. And you say, God, I did it again. The very thing I want to do, I can't. Which brings me down to Romans. To the end of the chapter in verse 15. Let's read it. He says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do. I do what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I am breaking, but I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I and is making me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old nature is concerned. How many of you, we all agree with that, right? And and so we, we end up, saying, I I want to be free. But the freedom comes when we obey Jesus on the inside. When we know, and, you know, and that comes when we have a conviction and when you start to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and when he says, no, don't do that. No, don't react like that. Because it's going to produce in you something that you don't want. It's going to produce death in you. And he says in the beginning of the chapter, he says that after, he said, when you get married to Christ, you can produce good fruit. That is the deeds of God. We want that. I want to be able to produce the fruit of God. But this other nature strives and it's, it's a striving for ascendancy all the time. And um, the freedom to do the right thing is the right kind of freedom. And I think we live in a society now, and young people now sing these songs about, I'm free, I'm free. But what they're actually saying is, I want to do what I want to do. 
And you know, that isn't freedom. Not the freedom Christ is talking about. The freedom Christ is talking about is the freedom to be yoked to Jesus and he gives you the power of the spirit. He says, I am not a debtor to the flesh. I'm a debtor to the spirit. And so I listen to the Holy Spirit. And he says, no, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't hang out with those people. And as we walk with Jesus, it's as you listen and obey that the spirit then enables you to be free because he enables you to make the right choice. He gives you the strength to do the right thing. Freedom is not I can do my thing. Freedom is doing Christ's thing. And when the Holy Ghost says little things to you and, and you don't obey, it grieves him. It grieves him. And, and um, so the law now, Christ is the fulfillment of the law and if Christ is in you, then it's not you live your life with no laws. The law of God is in my heart and I live according to the law of God. And, and as I listen to him, then I am truly free. It's interesting. Um, I listened, there was a tape up on YouTube, I think, this week about Justin Bieber. Did anyone see that? And uh, apparently he does this interview and he gets onto his Christian faith. And a bit like Kanye West, isn't it? You sort of think, oh, this is going to be interesting to watch. But the interesting thing, Justin Bieber actually said, I never realised that living for Christ was about obedience and it was about a turning away from sin. And so I thought that was pretty powerful. I thought he's got some interesting coaches there. So we're not under law. We're, we are now under, under grace. But grace is the power of God to help us to live what he has already put in the heart to do. To do the right thing. When people say to me, well, I can't do that. Really? Really? My question to you is, through Christ, he says, you can do all things who strengthen, through Christ who strengthens you. And if Christ says to you to do something and you don't do it, that's disobedience. That grieves the spirit. And it does, and it can put you back under law because you, you, you're throwing out the new way of living and saying, I want to do it the old way. Well, how did the old way work out for you before? <laughs> you know. And so learning to live, we're debtors. We are debtors to the Spirit. We've got to learn to listen. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. How good is that? The power of the spirit. It's not hard. I've, I, I just really enjoyed my holiday away in America because I, I, was, I was looking at this whole thought about freedom and... Um, I was going to preach this message, but I changed my mind about freedom. Let me, let me read the quote that I saw. It says, The highest form of freedom carries with it the greatest measure of discipline. And I think it's taken me all my life to learn that even though I wanted to throw off the shackles of constraints and say, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do it my way, blah, blah, blah. 
bore terrible fruit in my life. And if you can't be told what to do by somebody else, then I can tell you the fruit will not be good. Because all of us have to have somebody who tells us what to do. Came out in this morning's message as well. You have your boss telling you what to do. You know, your poor husband, you know, has a wife telling him what to do. You know, the kids go, I have my mum and dad telling me what to do. I have the school telling me what to do. But, you know, learning to, those disciplines help us and equip us for life. And so when we get to, and it's taken me probably 60 years to really discover that, gee, discipline's actually a really good thing. My mother tried to teach me to play the piano. I did not want the discipline of practice. Ugh, hated practice. Now I try to teach my grandson, put his thumb on middle C. One, two, three, four, five. Don't want to do it. <laughs> it's, it's not pleasant, but sometimes we go, I want to be free, and I think in Christ we say, when I come to church, I just want to be free. But it's freedom to fulfill the law of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's through that power that we find ultimate freedom. And if a society takes a hold of that, if, if one person takes a hold of it, but then a group of people take a hold of it, and as a society we take a hold of it, we actually have a free society and we are very blessed. We don't want socialism, believe you me. Because socialism actually is telling people what they can think and what they can do. And that's what a lot of these people are telling us today, what we should be thinking and what we shouldn't be thinking. But freedom in Christ, if, as if we uh, uh, put the disciplines in our own life, that brings the greatest measure of freedom by the power of the Spirit because God is good. God is good. And by, so let's be debtors to the Spirit. You like that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now that you would help us to walk by the power of the Spirit. Lord, we're not under law, we're under grace, and we thank you for that. But I thank you that the laws you put in our hearts through Christ. Help us, Lord, to walk in freedom, listening to your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.